Hey, my name is PJ Nolan. I'm the lead pastor of Collective Church. We are a community of real people in Saline County, Arkansas, seeking to know God and to make Him known. We hope as you visit our podcast that you will find the messages inspiring, practical, but most importantly, biblical. We're going to be in Jonah chapter 4, so if you want to take uh, your Bibles and flip over there, it'll be on the screen here in a minute. We're going to kind of go through the passage a little bit differently today. Uh, we're going to kind of break it up into three different sections. So really looking forward to diving into this scripture, into this passage with all of you this morning. But I want to give us a quick recap of where we've gone, where we've been going uh, throughout this series. So PJ had the first three weeks, and uh, in week one, we saw that Jonah runs, right? So, uh, and, in the, and in that, he kind of gave us the, uh, the idea for the whole series that there is a Jonah in all of us, right? And as we've gone through this series, uh, can, I don't think I'm the only one that sees a little bit of Jonah in me. I think that we all see a little Jonah in us. In week Two, we say that Jonah repents, and he has that prayer within the belly of the great fish uh, there in, 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 in chapter two of Jonah. And in week three, we see that Jonah obeys through his repentance, through his prayer. Uh, Jonah decides to change directions, and he begins to go back and go toward Nineveh instead of Tarshish. And so now we're here in week four, but Here's, here's kind of the way that I kind of saw it. And so I want to give you guys some things as I was recapping and looking through this. Uh, he, God, he gave his word to men through a prophet to carry out his plan. So God is actively communicating with his creation, right? We see that in chapter one. He commanded the sea and wind to obey his purpose. So the weather and physical elements respond exactly to his desires, to suit his purposes. We see that in chapter one as well. He commanded the fish to swallow Jonah. So even the, the animals obey God's word. Even the, uh, the, uh, the, the animals obey God's word. Jonah survived though. He survived the experience. And the fourth thing I really saw as I was going through this is the city of Nineveh responds supernaturally to a simple phrase spoken by Jonah. And PJ really touched on that really simple phrase a lot last week. It was just a simple phrase of the gospel, and yet God's grace was sufficient. Are with me this morning? I know we, I know we got some Thanksgiving stuff, but that's good. That's, that's really, when I see uh, that we're, we're looking through this idea of that there's a Jonah in all of us, like not only is there a Jonah in all of us, but because of a simple message, hopefully there's a Jesus in all of us this morning. Are y'all with me this morning? Because God's grace no matter where you are in your walk of life or, or not, wherever you are, grace, God's grace is sufficient for you this morning. And so for a lot of us during this, this time of the year, we can get depressed or angry or go through some of those emotions. So we want to touch on that because, you know, in the book of Jonah, it, it's not a happy ending in the, in the last chapter. Like we, we get this idea that Jonah, he did all this and, you know, so many people came to know Christ and Jonah is stoked about it. No, it's the opposite effect. He got angry. And so today we're gonna to look at Jonah, the great contradiction. The great contradiction. We're gonna look at his anger that we see today. And I wanna to, to tell you the, the key point to today's message is 
unhealthy anger only separates your heart from God's true objective. Let's say that again. Unhealthy anger only separates your heart from God's true objective. I wanna camp out on this for just a minute because I want you to notice that first word that I put in there, and I put it in there for a very good reason. Unhealthy anger, okay? Listen to me. Today is about unhealthy anger, and we're gonna see that played out in Jonah's life and how he responds to the Ninevites' repentance. But in our own life, I'm not telling you that there isn't an emotion in you that is righteous anger. I think we see that in Jesus at times. We see righteous anger. We see anger that is okay. But I want us to remember that in the Psalms, and remember this, your righteous anger turns into unhealthy anger when you step in to try to take the vengeance. Because the vengeance doesn't belong to you. Who's it belong to? The Lord. Right, and the Psalms clearly teach us this. And so I wanna make sure that we understand that we're not talking about healthy anger today. We're talking about that unhealthy anger, that anger, that hatred that even Jesus compares to murder to, right? This, this hatred that we maybe have of people, people groups and different things. And so you may be sitting here this morning like, I have no hatred in my heart. Well, hold on, pump the brakes. Let's see if there's a Jonah in us this morning. So, I love this, I love this uh, quote. Uh, some of you may, uh, may uh, know this one. It's from Yoda. He says this. He says, fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. And hate leads to suffering. Yes, I know this is science fiction. And Yoda isn't a real character. But the truth is the truth. And here's the thing. The bottom line to Jonah's anger is fear. And the bottom line to your, your anger that maybe you're harboring this morning that you've brought in here, the bottom line is, is it's really linking back to something you're afraid of. Something, that, something that's probably happened that's led you to this that fear has really encapsulated and it's turned into anger in your own life. And so as we jump in this morning, as we jump into Jonah's anger, Jonah's anger causes two things that I want you guys to really uh, zone in with me. So if you would, just lean in with me here for about 20 minutes, and we're going to get through this. We're going to go really quickly, so I want you all to stay in, stay engaged with me this morning, okay? So the, uh, the first thing of the two things is this, uh, Jonah's anger causes a rebellious heart, a rebellious heart. So we're going to look at the first three verses here in Jonah chapter 4. The change of plans greatly upset. Jo- uh, excuse me. Uh, I'm. I'm not in the right place. Yeah. Uh, the change of his of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became what? Very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say that uh, before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now. Lord, I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Here's what verse two shows me in this rebellious heart that we see in Jonah. Listen to what it it says. I said, I ran, and I knew. It became all about him. It became all about him. And we really see the problem here, right, is Jonah's afraid. Jonah's angry, but really he's angry at who? He's really kind of angry at himself because it really is all about him. He knew what God was going to do. He said, God, I knew you was going to do this. This is why I didn't want to go. 
I didn't want to see this. Really what happened is his anger blinded him to seeing the heart of God in the story. What about you? What about us? Let's look at, let's look at that in our own lives. When we rebel against God, when we have a rebellious heart, do you think that we have God's heart in sight or have we lost it? I was, uh, I was uh, looking through this and I, and I actually went and read the passage. It was really powerful uh, to me because it, it reminded me that, you know, back in, in Jonah chapter two, we saw that prayer, that repentance, that prayer and what Jonah prayed for specifically, right? We saw some really, really good change of direction. But I was, I was reading this and I saw this illustration. I wanna share it with you this morning. So going back to where Jesus walks on water and Peter walks on water, it was a really cool uh, thing that I saw in scripture this week. So in that passage, in that story, I'd never had picked up that it was Peter's idea to walk on water. It wasn't Jesus. Jesus didn't say, Peter, I want you to come to me. Peter had the idea. He said, Jesus, if it's really you, if it's really you, let me come to you. And what did Jesus say? Come on, right? He said, come on. And so he had the right prayer. He had the right, he had the right heart, right, to begin with. But as soon as he started walking on water, we remember, right? He took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to sink. And so here's the deal. Jonah's angry of his own provision that he asked for. What happens in your life when you ask for the provision of God and he gives it to you? What do you do? What happens when you pray for patience and he sends you patient opportunities? What happens if you pray for grace and God sends opportunities for you to show grace to people? Don't get mad when you pray for peace and opportunities when you're angry come over you and you're subjected to give them peace instead of anger. Don't get mad at God when you ask for the provision and he supplies it. Because when you take your eyes off of it, when you take eyes off the prayer, when you take your eyes off what God wants to do, your heart will rebel and go back to yourself. And you'll say, well, I knew that that would happen if I asked for it. Anybody ever done that? You, you joke about, well, I prayed for patience, and there it was. I mean, we joke about it, but it's real. You know why? Because prayer's real. And so if you ask for it, you'll receive it. And so when we, when we get in these moments, and I feel like this is where Jonah's at, he's asked for this, and he's angry because he knew what God would do anyway. We get that way sometimes. We don't want to admit it, but I just showed three examples very quickly of patience, grace, and peace that we all always want and we pray for, and when we actually have the opportunity to have it, we rebel against it a lot of times. So we can have a little bit of a rebellious heart and a little bit of Jonah in us. Verse three shows that Jonah valued his reputation more than God's. Did you notice that? He values his reputation over God's. He talks about being so angry and verse three says this. I'm gonna go back to it. I wanna read it. It says, just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. You see, Jonah, he's, he's, he's more concerned about his reputation. He doesn't wanna go back to Israel. He just wanted to go back to his people. Why? Because one, he was afraid to go because of what they could have done, but also he was afraid because he knew if they actually did repent, that his people would turn their back on him. Why? Because he went to the enemy. He went to the enemy. He went to the people that don't deserve God's grace. That was the mindset that Jonah had, and he had a rebellious heart against it. He was more concerned about his reputation than God's. 
Do we ever get there? Right? I'm more concerned. I'm more concerned, students, about my reputation with my friends to share them, or share Jesus with them, or to stop them from doing something that I know is not right, and I just follow in. I just follow the path that they're going. Right? Because I don't want to. I don't want to mess my reputation up. I've got a reputation to hold, but my reputation is greater than God's. Or maybe at work. Maybe at work when we have the opportunity to show some grace or show some things to people and yet we show the exact opposite. We have a rebellious heart in that moment and what happens is, is, is we lose sight of God, right? Can you imagine, can you imagine, listen to this, being so angry that you go in to work one day and you share the gospel of Jesus and all of your coworkers get saved and you sit back and pout. Can you imagine doing that? Because that's what Jonah did. But let's put it into a better perspective that you might come to, come to agree with. What if you just take the people that maybe you have the, the most hatred built up against? Because you, you know you have some harbored hate to somebody. I don't know who it is this morning or what people group it might be. Maybe it's Hamas, right? Because it's hard not to have some hatred toward that. It's hard not to have some hatred toward some things and some people that have done some really cruel things in our world, right? But, but picture this, picture you going and sharing and saying, hey, repent of this, and they repent, and you sit back, and you're like, man, what did I do? That's where Jonah's at this, this morning, right? He goes off, and thousands of people come to accept the Lord, and he has such a rebellious heart against the message of God that he actually pouts about it. A rebellious heart will catapult yourself over God every time. And that's what Jonah's done. Because it became more about him and it came less about God, even though thousands came to know Christ, came to know the truth. So are you ready? Are you ready to maybe surrender some of that, some of that angst, some of that anxiousness, some of that hatred this morning? Are you ready to lay that down? Let God use you in that? Are you ready to go in and face that person or that people? Are you ready to let God use you in that way? Are you gonna are you gonna let that anger hold you back? Because that's a rebellious heart. It's a rebellious heart. And so the second thing I want us to see this morning, and it's verses four through nine. This is, this is an interesting, interesting passage that I think sometimes we can kind of get confused on. We're going we're gonna to walk through it, but it, point number two is a divided heart. Jonah, Jonah's anger causes two things, and the second thing is a divided heart. The Lord replied, this is verse four, is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. And then the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there, and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem, and the plant withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow onto Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint, and wish to die. Death is certainly better than, uh, than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. So let's, let's dive into that. But I want to I I kind of give you this picture of an illustration. I, 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 I 
want to paint for us this morning. So y'all ever ran across a rattlesnake before? <laughs> Those things get pretty mad, get pretty angry. So one of the things I was, I was reading about is rattlesnakes can get so angry at times that they will bite themselves. They will bite themselves, right? And so the reason I want to paint that picture for us this morning is because in Jonah's life right here, he's so angry and so pouty and so distraught on his own reputation on what God is doing in the lives of the people of Nineveh that he is literally biting himself. He's literally biting himself, and God shows it to him through all of these things. In verses four and five, he sits in anticipation, hoping that God will change his mind and destroy Nineveh. You gotta think about it. Right there, he goes off behind the sea, he builds a shelter. Why does he build the shelter? So that he can sit and he can hope that God is gonna change his mind, and in 40 days, they'll turn back at their evil ways, and God will destroy them. That's why he's outside. That's why he's waiting. That's why he builds that shelter He's waiting for that. He's so angry. He's biting himself. Verse six, God attempts to help Jonah with a plan. He tries to show Jonah grace and comfort. Even in his built up anger with what God is doing, God chooses to still try to comfort Jonah. But through his action, God shows him his own self. God sends a worm to destroy the plant. Verse seven, and then verse eight, a strong wind comes. It's so hot, it's unbearable that Jonah literally wishes to die. Does your, does, does maybe the hatred of certain people that, you've, that you have against them, do you think that it has an effect on your relationship with God? Because that isn't what God wants for your life. As a follower of Christ, our objective should clearly be to win people to the good news of Jesus. That's our objective. But Jonah, right? Jonah cared more about the plant than for the people of Nineveh. His heart was divided. His heart was divided. Can, can you imagine you're sitting there and you're so angry at this person that you're dealing with? You're so angry at these people. You're so angry at, I don't, and I don't know who that is in your life, right? Only, only you know who that is. Maybe, it, maybe it's the people that are standing on the street corner asking for money. Maybe, maybe it's the people in your own family. Oh, let me strike a nerve here, right? We just got through Thanksgiving, so let's bring it up here, Right? Some of, some of us have a lot of family hurt and a lot of family issues going on and maybe there's some built up hatred, really, there that we need to work through. Why? Because at the end of the day, that, that built up hatred or that built up anger that you may have in your own family, listen to me, that is only going to further God's objective for your life. Because at the end of the day, that means that you're, you're caring more about your feelings and more about your anger and how you want them to be punished by God than God actually restoring them and bringing them back to him. Because maybe they're far off and maybe you are too. So think, so think about it, right? Think about it from this. Because of the blood that Jesus shed, listen to me, all people are candidates for his grace. All people, 
all people are candidates for him. That means, that means the person that you, go, that you go to work with that nobody can stand. That means the person on the street corner. That means the people running Las Vegas. That means our politicians. That means anybody you can think of outside of our country, anybody that you just have a vendetta against, maybe uh, someone within your own home or anything that you're harboring anger against, that means that God's grace is a candidate for all people, no matter how big the situation is, because that's what I always hear, what Shane, you just don't understand. I don't have to understand. I know and I understand God's grace for all people. And that includes you and me. That's what I understand because as great as the conflict may be, unless you start forgiving and showing grace to it, you're never gonna get over it and you will carry anger with you and it will show out in so many different ways and the bottom line is you're afraid to surrender it because then you don't have control over the situation anymore. So what are we gonna do with it? What are we gonna do with it? An issue of the National Geographic there was these, uh, these saber-toothed tigers, and this is kind of the same illustration, but it goes to show you that they literally had bit into one of the legs and they died right there together. That's how they found them. Together, extinct, but they were biting each other. Listen to me. Paul says this in Galatians 5.15. If you keep biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. There is no room for not only biting your own self, but for biting others and devouring others. What do you gain? What do we gain by carrying around anger and angst and frustration? Nothing. So the big takeaway for today is God's objective. You guessed it, people and grace. People and grace. Jonah 4, 10, 11 says this. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Here's what happens here. God corrects Jonah's lack of compassion. God clarifies his love and compassion. That's what happens here. God corrects Jonah's lack of compassion. So he, he corrects him. He, he says, shouldn't. Hey, why, why is it that you're sad about this plant, but you're not even sad about these people that are living in darkness? Sometimes we get so sad about the things that we're so comfortable in, we so, so easily forget of the 60,000 plus people just here in our county that are living in darkness. Let me say that number again, 60,000 plus living in darkness. And I think that was back in 2010 or 11. I don't even know what the number is now. We get so busy in our churches. Sometimes we get so busy devouring each other and holding anger against each other and holding in all of this fear and this control that we forget that we're supposed to show compassion. And so people then that are living in darkness see our lack of compassion and say, you're no different. We have to be different. So God clarifies his love and compassion. What does he say? Shouldn't I have compassion for these people? 
There's 120,000 of them, Jonah. Aren't you glad that God did that for you? Because even while Jesus was dying, the Bible says what? Yet they were still sinning. He died for you while you were sinning, while they were sinning, while you continue to sin, while you'll go out the doors today and you'll probably sin again. Christ died for that. He shed his blood for that. Romans 9.15 says, this is a great reminder for us and Marianne can go ahead and make her way. We're fixing to land this thing. Romans 9.15 says this, I will show mercy to anyone I choose and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. This is not your choice. Your objective is people and grace and showing that to them. So if there's anger that's built up in you this morning, remember this, people, grace, God's objective for mankind. The way we fully understand ourselves is to compare our self-interests, our self-interests with God's sacrificial love. So where do you compare today? Where do you compare in your own self-interest compared to God's sacrificial love? Where does your grace come from? Where does your grace abound from? Where does it come from? Do we love like God? Do we give grace like God? Do we need to lay down some anger this morning to allow grace to penetrate our own rebellious and divided heart? Because at the end of the day, all the people that we may be holding something against, and it could be a small thing, but let me tell you, even a small little wedge in, in, in the relationship between you and God will only grow. So why let it fester? And why allow the enemy to use it? What's, what's the purpose? What's it gonna gain? What will you gain from it? Nothing. So what are you afraid of? Thanks again for visiting the Collective Church Podcast. We hope you found the message to be practical, inspiring, and biblical. And by the way, if you're interested in learning more about Collective Church, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you enjoyed the message, hit the subscribe button. And if you'd be willing to, hit share and help us spread the word about Collective Church.